KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. You hear the names in Philadelphia basketball just as a coach to go down there and win a championship. You know, someone had a list of the championship coaches, and they, just to be on that list, you see Muffet McGraw's name, Linus McGinney, just to be on that list with those coaches is, is incredible to me. It's, uh, I feel like I don't belong with them. It's a great community. We're all passionate about it. And our guest this week, Mike McDonald. He is the head girls basketball coach at Archbishop Wood High School. He's won three state titles, including this past year during what was a crazy year for everyone. And Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, thank you for having me, Matt. Appreciate being on. And to that point, you win a state title in a year where the world's turned upside down by a pandemic. Aside, we'll talk about the championship and stuff like that later. Just logistically, how difficult was this season to get through? It was very difficult. It was difficult, you know, when you have half of your team hybrid, they're at home one day and the other half is in school one day and, and you're trying to schedule practices and things like that and bus times, you know, you have to give them, the kids that are at home that day, more time to get to school, things along along that way. But the, I think that the mental side was, was, was the toughest part of this year. Just the unknown of what, what might happen next, if you're going to play the next game or if you're going to be shut down at any point. That was definitely the most difficult part. The logistics were challenging, uh, but I think that was an, a pretty quick adjustment. It was just the, the anxiety of not knowing what was going to come next. To that point, to fight through all that and reach the top of the mountain, uh, you won, you know, Catholic League titles, state titles. It, does this hit differently? Does it feel different? For sure. Yeah, it definitely hit different. I think I was probably the most emotional this year at the end of the season when we finally um, won that state championship. And I think it was just a culmination of, uh, of anxiety. Again, I mentioned the anxiety of, uh, for, especially for the seniors after the way it ended last year, unfortunately I had two seniors, Izzy Larson and Lindsay Treader the year before who didn't get to finish out that year. And, and they certainly had aspirations and the ability to, to reach the same goal, but they didn't get that chance. So this year, not knowing one, when we started, if we were going to have a season at all, to not knowing if you're going to have playoffs, to, to getting the chance to play, and then things were getting sketchy again throughout the season. I think it, it made it that much more special at the end when we were able to win and somewhat of a relief uh, when it was all over. It was, it was kind of just draining going through it. Uh, you're trying to keep your energy up, but again, you just never knew. So just the fact that they were able to play and get to the end of the season, that was a relief in itself, but, and then to come out on top and, and to watch them, you know, pile on each other and, and get that victorious moment. It was this, the way this year went, it made it that much more special. Definitely. You feel like this year changed you at all as a coach, maybe perspective changed your way you focus, maybe gave you insight into things that you didn't pay as much attention to prior. Mental health. I think the mental health of my players, I think I, I took a step back. We had a tough game one game. I think we won the game, but we had a tough game and I was really on them, you know, and then you, you take a step back and, and you some of the kids were having issues in school. They just, you know, again, the anxiety um, of just going through the day and, and having the mask. When you're looking at them with the mask on, trying to practice that, those kinds of things. And I think it made me take a step back and say, you know, maybe being hard on them right now in this season at this time isn't the right way to go. Because you could just, you know, you could literally see what they were going through, wearing the mask, having trouble breathing, running up and down. So 
I, I think if anything, it's, it's made me take a step back and reflect on their own mental health, their, my players, mental health and my own mental health. And I think I'll be a little more conscious of that going forward. So let's talk a little bit about your life in basketball growing up. Were you a hoops junkie? Was it always basketball or were you a kid that played whatever was going on in the neighborhood or whatever was in season? I I'm a hoops junkie. I was kind of almost born in a gym. My, my, both of my parents coached, they coached the grade schools. St. Cecilia is where I went when I was younger. My mom ended up coaching at Cardinal Doherty for about 11 years. But from when I was a young kid, I was, you had to go with one or the other. So I was going to mom's practices and then my dad's practices. My dad was the JV coach. So eventually I got the fifth, sixth grade. I was, you know, playing and, and in his practices as a player, but I, I was going to them from the time I can remember at a very young age. Uh, we have home videos of me kind of playing on a Fisher price net in my living room, you know, you know, four or five years old. So it's been something I've loved since that time. I, I think I feel the most comfortable in a basketball gym because that's where I grew up. It's where I feel at home. But I definitely, you know, around the neighborhood, played with my friends, played stickball in the intersections of the street. I don't know if that happens anymore, but played some of that. I played soccer all the way up to college. I just, I wasn't very skilled because I didn't practice it because I was always playing basketball, but I was pretty fast. So it found, it led me to, you know, the soccer field as well in college. But basketball is me through and through to the point that your parents coached did that put you on an early track that you wanted to coach simply because mom and dad did it I didn't think about coaching early on uh some people told me I, I could maybe make a good coach when I was in high school one of my best friends dads always recommended it to me but I just wanted to play I loved playing um and then I just got to a certain age where you know, I realized I wasn't going to be able to continue playing. And my mom was still the head coach at Doherty. So fresh out of college, maybe even in college, I used to go back and help her at practices when I could. And that's kind of how I started into it. And then uh, Jackie Hartzell was the head coach at Archbishop Ryan at the time. And she kind of asked me if I wanted to come help out. And that was kind of when I formally started coaching, uh, even though I was kind of here and there on the bench at Doherty, I, I formally kind of started coaching with Jackie Hartzell at Ryan and, and uh, she was awesome. She's just a, she was passionate. She's a year older than me. You know, we used to email back and forth during the day. It was just all we were thinking about was the game and coaching. So I, I thank her a lot because her passion kind of led me in a direction where I wanted to, to really step in and do it more. When you played, you were a guard, specifically a point guard for the most part, right? Yes. Yeah. So how much does you know, that translate into being a coach just simply because your whole focus is kind of on seeing the whole floor, getting the ball where it needs to go. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm 5'10". I, I'm, I am pretty quick, but I don't have much athletic ability. So I think the reason I was able to play was my head and my brains and, and my ability to kind of understand the game and, and understand where defenses were going to be before they happen so I could facilitate better. So I, I think it's a huge part, you know, if, if I've had success in coaching, I think being a player, it's because I always had to use my brain uh, more than anything else. Uh, I was certainly determined as a player. I was, I would describe myself as someone that was constantly, you know, tenacious and fighting because I had to be. Uh, so that combination of, of maybe the fighter in me and, and again, the ability to use my brain while playing, I think has kind of translated into my coaching style. I'm, I'm tough on the girls. I expect them to be tough, but 
we kind of run a Princeton hybrid offense that you have to think and react. So I, I, I certainly say my guard play is translated into my coaching. Yeah. And you played a little at Chestnut Hill, right? When they first started the program. Yes. Uh, Jesse Bowser was my head coach there. He was the head coach just up until about a year or two ago. Um, he was a Fox chase guy, grew up in my neighborhood and I went to Alvernia freshman year of college. He was kind of looking for players. They were just starting. They were just going co-ed and I was going to transfer to St. Joe's just to come back home. I liked the Philly area and I wasn't good enough to play at St. Joe's, but so when I heard he was kind of looking what I was doing, I, decided to go to Chestnut Hill. I ended up playing there for two years. And then I, I changed schools again to focus on uh, computers. I went to CHI for network engineering. What was it like to be part of a program that was just starting? It was cool. I, you know, everything was like the year of the inaugural team, you know, just starting. I think it was big news on campus at the time. So it, it was awesome that way. It was different. You know, the school was different because this was the first year they actually had males in the school. So, you know, some people were happy about that and some people weren't happy about it. And, that, you know, you know, that, that, that was interesting to me. I actually remember a conversation with someone I didn't know. And I said, are you, so you're happy that there's, you know, guys coming in now? And she goes, not really. It wasn't the way I wanted that conversation to go, but she was honest and I can understand that if you choose to go to an all girls school and you want that environment and then suddenly it's changing, I can understand that. But, you know, that was, I don't know, 20 years ago, something close to that. So it, it, they're well on their way now. You mentioned Jackie Hartzell, who's been ridiculously successful at the college level at University of the Sciences. And, you know, you kind of got a bit of your start with her. What were some of the things that you took from her, from working from her, how she handled things? You mentioned she was passionate, but X and O, maybe how she ran a practice. What do you take from her? She was very well organized. I think from communicating with the parents and players via emails, she was organized with, you know, holding some kind of charity event each year that they could go to to bring the girls there. And and one of the things I always remember her saying is, I don't want these girls to, to hate their lives just to be good at basketball. You know, and I, that just carried with me since, you know, you figure it's 11 years and that was something I took to heart. You know, she cared more about, you know, where they were and how much they, if they were having fun on top of competing to win and, and she's a good coach and they competed hard to win games. And obviously she's had great success at youth sciences, but that was definitely something that was on her mind is that I don't want them to sacrifice being happy and enjoying themselves just to win games. So but her organizational skills and her communication skills were top notch. I think the X's and O's, you know, we've, we learned, I, I've learned a lot from her, you know, some of the stuff that she ran, but I think the X's and O's, you kind of just, you're copying what somebody else does. It's more about her passion and, um, you know, her ability to connect with her players is what I carried with me. You've had a very interesting resume, coach girls, you coached, uh, I think seven, uh, middle school, boys you were assistant at the college level uh at chestnut hill with women how does different levels and all how does that kind of round out the coaching experience that you can kind of come at it from a lot of different angles um i, I think it uh and right now I'm, I'm coaching sixth grade aau i've coached fourth grade AAU. i i think just seeing the different ages it helps you with development it helps you have a better understanding of where this player should be at a certain age if they're trying to reach you know, this level in college, that, that type of thing, I can kind of see it with a better eye, you know, now when they're in fifth, sixth grade, I can look at their body type and kind of figure out what, where they might grow into. 
uh, in high school and, and how that might, you know, lead them into a certain level of college. I mean, it's, it's hard. It depends on the kid's work ethic throughout those years and, and, and some growth, but I, I think it's helped me to have a better understanding of, of the early development where they should be, where they could be at this age. And, um, again, it allows me to help them get better throughout the high school years when I have them. So I can push them to be at the next, the next best level they can reach. You know, I, I think it also helps me again, I mentioned connecting with players. It, it, it makes you realize at a young age, what they're going through and what they struggle to learn. So now when I have high school kids that, you know, I kind of understand where they came from four years ago and, and, and how they might need help. I think it's, made me a better coach that way. Does your approach change from when you're coaching Wood and when you're coaching AAU? Yes, definitely. I think it would. I, I'm with them, you know, during the season, it's basically six days a week. So you you just have more time with them. It's a stronger relationship usually because, again, they're with you when you're just, you know, messing around, waiting for practice or waiting to leave for a bus or things like that. In AAU, you're, you know, it's typically two days a week and if you have tournaments, but you're two days a week and they get dropped off and then they're gone. It, it's harder to build that strong relationship. I think I've had good relationships with players that have stuck with me for multiple years in AAU, but you're not with them all the time. So I think it's hard to be really hard on them because they don't quite understand where you're coming from. And you have to, you know, I, I think in order to be hard on players, they have to really know you care about them. I think they can bounce back from a lot if, if they know where your heart is. And it's harder to do that in two days of practice with AAU, but uh, I'm still tough on them. But I would say the, the Wood kids get a little bit tougher because, you know, I know them better. We have a better relationship. And I, I think they all know that I care about them first. The road to Archbishop Wood, you first came there. You were the JV coach, correct? For a couple of years? I was, yeah, I was the head JV coach and assistant varsity coach for two years. Really, the second year is when I became the interim head coach right before playoffs for varsity. So it was like two years of JV, and I was an assistant varsity for first year. And then the second year as an assistant varsity coach, I became the interim head coach right after the last regular season game. So you can imagine what kind of pressure I was feeling going into playoffs. We had a good run. We lost in the championship to the Catholic League and the, and the state that interim year. So I think that helped me at least get the head coaching job the next year. And then uh, the next year we were actually able to come out on top and win, win both championships. And you mentioned the timing there. You became the head coach. There was an email controversy with the head coach at the time, and he resigned. I don't want to get into that. But just to your point of taking over, I think it's one thing to get a a job like this it's another thing to get dropped into a situation not only because it's the most critical time of the season but there's controversy surrounding you you obviously handled it pretty well but how challenging was it you know from a basketball standpoint and from a personal standpoint it was challenging it was unexpected I think when I got the call that said I was going to be coaching the head coach you know I was kind of overwhelmed shocked you know can I do this kind of thing it was uh aside from AAU it was my uh, and like a seventh grade Paris team for boys. It was my first real experience being a head coach where you have to call the timeouts and make the play calls, that kind of thing. So it was a lot. It was shocking. Um, I think the best thing to say for that year was that they were already so well coached at that time that it, I, it would be really hard for me to break them. I think, you know, I had a good understanding of what we were doing throughout the year. And, and again, the players were disciplined at that point. They had an understanding of what they were running. So I really just had to kind of carry on what we had already done that year. And that's all I tried to do is just kind of stick to the routine, 
you know, that that's this, as best as I can remember it. I, I just stuck to what we were already doing and, and it worked out all the way up until a couple possessions at the end of the two championship games. So that was it. It was definitely a lot. It was overwhelming. It was stressful because I knew that the expectations that would were to win, but it was exciting in, in, in some ways too, because I was getting that opportunity. Was the world going a million miles an hour? Was the game going a million yeah. miles an hour at first? Uh, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, it was. It was just. Uh, it was just a lot. And I think you come in, and I wanted everything to be perfect, and you realize it's not going to be perfect, but that's how you wanted it to be. And you just, you know, you wanted everything to to go well and be, you know, for the kids. That's what I remembered. I, you know, the kids didn't deserve to be going through anything like that. So I wanted it to go well for them. And I told them they were they were. They were upset about losing their coach. And I told them, you know, the you know, one thing that that coach would want you to do is, is do well and be happy. So I think the captains that year, uh, Aubrey Brown and Bailey Greenberg, they did a great job of kind of stepping up and, and continuing on for the rest of the year. And they did a great job. How long after that season do you get the the interim title taken off? Is it relatively quickly or uh, was it uh, did you have to wait till the fall? I had to wait. I think it was the summer. They did an interview process. And I remember there was, a, I think, a team. I did two interviews. There was a, a committee of people. I, I forget just how many, but probably like six or seven people, five or six people in the interviews. And um, then I was hired before the fall started. So sometime over the summer, I think, is when I actually got the, the uh, full-time job. And how does that feel? I mean, you, you've got, you've been doing the job, you had success, but now it's your program and it's not just a program. It's an elite program, not just in Philadelphia, but in the state. Yeah. Um, it was an honor. It was an honor. I was really, really excited. Uh, I was still nervous, you know, it still meant like that I had to handle the stuff that, uh, off the se- out of season, you know, we have a big golf outing fundraiser. That was going to be something that was new to me, putting that together and organizing that I had to communicate and have the meetings with the parents before the season to, to, uh, address what, what w- was going to go on during the season, schedule the right tournaments to go and play. But it, I was definitely excited. Uh, and what a program it was to take over. If you had to take over a program, I think a lot of people would have loved to have taken over one that was, was so good. And the culture was so strong. Uh, we had great players, so I was put in a really good position to do well, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm proud of the, the way I handled it and, and how we did that that year and how we've done over the last, you know, six years that I've been there as the head coach. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will continue our conversation with Archbishop Wood head girls basketball coach Mike McDonald right after this. And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week, Mike McDonald, head coach of the Archbishop Wood girls basketball team. Do you remember the the moment when you really exhaled and you felt like the program is mine, even if it was just looking in the mirror, you know, uh, or a meeting or a discussion or a practice where you really felt like this is me? It wasn't until we won the state championship. <laughs> I think... Um... I, we won the state championship and, because the beginning of the year was rough. We were four and six. Um, I mean, we went out to Phoenix and played the Nike tournament of champions. We played some top teams. So the losses were not bad losses, but you know, you look at our record, we're four and six new head coaches. This going to be the, uh, you know, the, the turnover, the turnover uh, woods not going to be good again. So that's the way it was. It was impacting me, but we did get to a certain point. We started to do well, when we won the Catholic league championship, I felt confident. I think that was a big time confidence boost. And I felt really good about where we were. 
But at the end of the state championship, after the game, I know we got back. I'm with the kids. We're on the bus going back to Wood. Everybody kind of splits up. There's going to be like a get together after that to celebrate. And I kind of had the detour. I went somewhere else and met who's now my fiance. She was my girlfriend at the time, but I kind of met up with her just to, to stop and have a breath because that was really the first time where I could kind of breathe, relax. I felt it was just kind of final. We, you know, we did it. That was it. That, that was, I still remember the moment. I, I was like, I can't go celebrate yet. I kind of just need to have a moment by myself away from everything you know, and it was, it was kind of an emotional thing. I'm getting emotional now just thinking about it again. It was, um, it was kind of a powerful moment for me as a coach. What do you remember about the championship game, that first one where you guys went in? It was Villa Maria out of Erie, correct, that you beat for the first one? Yes, that's who we just played this year, too. Um, I remember they came out and kind of – they played a lot of zones for the most part. They were switching between a 1-3-1 one, one and some type of extended 2-3. And we were having some problems kind of navigating it, but we kind of figured it out as the game went on. I really, at that point in time, was feeling really, really confident about how my team was playing. That We, we somewhat felt unbeatable after we won the Catholic League Championship. So I wasn't stressed at that point. I'm usually stressed a lot when it's not going well. I felt pretty good, even though we weren't scoring. It was still close getting out of the first quarter. And we settled down and, and figured it out. So it was a slow-moving game low scoring like a lot of our games were at that time but but um I, I remember feeling good throughout the game even though it started off slow and and you know I think we ended up going up close to 17 you know early in the fourth quarter so we were rolling at a certain point so that was good that's one of three state titles you won and two catholic leagues am I correct yes two this is my second this year how does a state title that's the top of the mountain Catholic league is bragging rights. It's the city. How compare and contrast what those championships feel like and mean they're both very special, but I I'm guessing there's a little difference. We value the Catholic league championship more. I would say Um, we still value the state championship. We want to win the state championship. We definitely don't, it's definitely not a knock on a state championship. We want to win that one, and there's great teams there, but there's something about winning the Philadelphia Catholic League Championship, especially when we didn't get to play at the Plester this year, but when you get to play at the Plester in that environment, it is, it is, and it's, you can't really describe it unless you've been there. And to be there as a coach, um, it's just incredible. But I grew up wanting to play there. Unfortunately, when I got the chance, they switched it to Temple for a couple of years. So I never got the chance to be there as a player. And I dreamed about it from the time I was growing up because I had older siblings. My family was big five basketball through and through. So you hear about the plaster, but um, winning it down there was, was just unbelievable. But winning the Catholic League in general, just because you, the, the teams are just some of the best in the state. So when you talk about winning the state championship, there's different classifications now. But the Catholic League this year had, I think it was three of us, right? O'Hara. West Catholic and Wood, we all won. So it just goes to show you how challenging it is to win the Philadelphia Catholic League. Um, and you mentioned the bragging rights. These are the teams you're going to see year in and year out. So you always want to come out on top when you have the chance. But it's really just the level of play in the Catholic League, I think, makes you value winning that championship so much. And the other thing is when you get to win a state championship, you want to win the games along the way. So when you lose that Catholic League championship, it it, it, it kind of – you hold on to that a little bit when you're going to play in States. It's hard to rebound sometimes when our kids do that. 
that happened in 2017. We, we lost the Catholic league and, and it, we had a slow start in States, but eventually figured it out enough to win the state title in 2017. But it's a lot better when you win the Catholic league championship and then you get to win the state championship on top of it. It feels like you didn't leave anything behind. I know the answer to this, but I want to hear you talk about it. What does it mean to you to be a part of the Philadelphia basketball community? It's everything. Like I said, it's, um, it's something I grew up in. My mom was uh, a player at St. Joe's. She played alongside Muffet McGraw, uh, both at Bishop Shanahan and at St. Joe's. So my dad is from West Philly originally and then moved to Northeast Philly. Uh, He's a St. Joe's grad, you know, my whole, my uncle's, they grew up in it, so it's something that's been taught to me since a young age. The only difference now is I, I have love for Villanova. I have a player there, and I had former teammates go and play there. But when I was growing up, I mean, it was St. Joe's house. You weren't allowed to like them at all. So I've been surrounded by it. Uh, my brothers went to Doherty. I went to Doherty. My sister went to Doherty. So that was, again, the Philadelphia Catholic League. I used to go to St. Joe's games growing up. So it, it's just something that I, I, I've loved it's I've been passionate about basketball. I've watched it since I was five. Uh, it's something I've loved. And and you hear the names in Philadelphia basketball. So just as a coach to go down there and win a championship and, and be, you know, someone had a list of the championship. I think it was Ted Solari had a list of championship coaches. And they, just to be on that list, you see Muffet McGraw's name, Linus McGinney, who's won too many for me to count. Um, just to be on that list with those coaches is, is incredible to me. It's uh, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I don't belong with them something along those lines, but it's, it's been unreal an unreal experience just coaching in the league. And as, and as a player, it was an unbelievable experience playing in the Philadelphia Catholic league. It's just, it's a great community. We're all passionate about it. What is your favorite part of coaching? And when I say that, is it especially at the high school level and, you know, younger with the AAU, but kind of honing in on the, the kids that you have at Wood and stuff like that. Is it that moment in a practice where you can literally almost see the light bulb go off in something? Is it the locker room before the game? Is it the final two minutes? If you had to put it on a list, what would be at the top of the list? It's, I think it's as the team, the team as a whole, when you see them finally buy in to sacrificing, maybe taking, bad shots or understanding the urgency of rotations on defense, um, seeing them really buy into that as the team after they struggle in the beginning of the season and they, you start to see them figure it out and see how much it really matters. Um, All the little small things that don't get mentioned in stats. When you see them really buy into doing all those things and then they becomes this, this team that, that, that is capable of winning a championship. I, I think that is one of the most rewarding things. Um, you nailed it on the head. When you see a kid figure it out, the light bulb comes on. That's up there, you know, right there with it. But it, it's just seeing them um, support each other and, and play as a team versus playing as an individual where they, where they kind of figure that out, that understanding. That That's one of the most rewarding things as a coach. It's not necessarily winning the championship, but it's seeing them buy into doing the team things versus coming down and, and being just an individual. I, I think that's the, the the best part. How do you handle the pressure that comes with running a program like this, where every year people expect big things, regardless of who graduates, regardless of the circumstances? Sometimes that can be a burden. How do you not let it be? 
Um, I just continue to work. I think, again, I'm very lucky that we've gone through this a couple of times. So I, I have a good idea of what we need to do and, and, and the time we need to put in. So I think that's really it. I just continue to try to work. I'm sure you, you've heard the name Caitlin Oral. I actually sat down with her dad and he's, you know, he was saying, he's like, you know, it's all over for us now, but here we are, like you're having these open gyms again. You're, you're already back to work. And I said, that's, it's the only thing I try to do is just put in the time. If I, if I have the kids that are committed and they want to, to be really good and they want to have the chance to play in college and they're willing to get in the gym, I don't want to be the reason they can't do that. Uh, you know, I, I want to be in the gym with them. I'll put in the time with them. Um, and when people ask me if it's when I'm, when I'll be ready to move on, I think that's what it will be. It'll be if I can't continue to put in that time necessary to, to make them or help them become really, really good. But um, that's really it. We, we all just work. We all put in time in the gym. We all put in time on our own watching film, both me and my, my coaching, my other coaches. We watch a ton of film during the year. We watch some in the off season, but you know, that that's, that's it. I try not to concentrate on the fact that we have to win. I try to concentrate on just putting in the work that we need to do to win. And it, it it's worked out so far because we have really good players that do it too. So we'll see. And you mentioned kind of tongue in cheek, having to like Villanova now because you got a player there. I mean, you can't throw a dart at rosters in the city without finding an Archbishop Wood player in in a game. What is that like to kind of see your legacy, your coaching tree just kind of spill out everywhere where just about every gym, if there's a college game going on in the city, you're going to, you could probably go see one of the kids that played for your program. What's that like? It's, it's pretty neat. Um, you know, I really enjoy supporting them after the fact when they're done, you know, that's when I can kind of be their, their supportive cast, uh, as a coach, but I'm no longer, I don't have to get on them too much anymore. So you can kind of just be their big fan as well. So that's, it's nice for me to kind of have that time where I just get to go and, you know, give them a high five when they come out of their college games, say great job, you know, you know, support them. It gives me that, that time with them, you know, versus the times where I have to really be on them and critique them. And, you know, it gives me just those, those years to be a big fan of theirs, but it's neat to see them in different uniforms. I try to go out when I can, it's hard with our schedule to really get to a lot of games. So, Luckily for me, there are a bunch that play in this area that I can see. And when I try to see them is when they're playing each other. Sometimes that happens. And then, uh, you know, it's it's neat to get them in a picture together with their different uniforms. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's a it's a family thing. I, and I think they appreciate it as well. They like coming back. They like taking pictures together. They, they like, uh, you know, being a part of something that, that's been really, really good. Mike McDonald, thanks so much for the time. I really enjoyed this. Hope you did, too. I did. Thanks a lot, Pat. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Archbishop Wood Head Girls basketball coach Mike McDonald for being our guest this week. If you like this show and want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, why don't you leave us a rating and a review? Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one-pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another episode with someone you should know more about.